What's going on, brothers and sisters? This is the Godfather, Nate Milton, and you're tuned in to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, my former podcast partner. He's been in, he's a, he does so many podcasts. I'm going to let him name it off. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Nate Milton. Nate, what is up, brother? What is going on, E? It's been, it's been a minute, brother, since we hopped on the microphones together. I know, man. It's been since the first season, because I know you did a little bit of the second season of Always Forward, but um, it's, 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 it's just crazy, man. You know, how we met, how we got together, how we hooked up, you know, and um, wow, man, it's, it's a, you know, first, before we start talking, man, break down all the freaking podcasts you are involved with. Yeah, man. Well, before I even get to my podcast, E, I need to know, because the people, the streets is talking out here, E. The, the streets is talking. And uh, <laughs> I, I know you and the president both are from New York. And somebody told me that you were the whistleblower, dog. What? Somebody oh. told me you dropped a dime on Trump, dog. <laughs> Oh, you wish, man. There is no <laughs> I live in the state of Wisconsin where they freaking support Trump, man. So it's kind of a hard pill to swallow that everybody's drinking the freaking Kool-Aid, man. But and it, Perfect and, alibi. You moved out to Wisconsin so nobody would suspect that you're going to call up uh, the New York Times and be like, hey, I got some information on Trump real quick. <laughs> because Hammertech Weaponry is part of the urban community. And it's crazy, the, the upper class and the middle class love some Donald Trump, you know? So it's just so random, you know? And they love some guns, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, uh, yeah I, I got, man, I got shows on shows on shows. Uh, starting it off, of course, with the uh, my main show, uh, I guess, would be the uh, Kings of Sport with myself and Marcus Vandenberg from Yahoo Sports. Uh, Ephraim has been on the Kings of Sport before. Uh, matter of fact, I think you and the Cannon were both on uh, yeah. King's Fort. Uh, so, yeah, we've been doing that show uh, going on seven years now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going strong. We are iTunes' longest-running uh, weekly episodic sports-based podcast produced and hosted by two African-Americans <laughs> with no major network affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got the Kings of Sport. I got the main event over on Place to Be Nation, uh, which is a uh, twice a month show that just kind of covers the news and notes going on in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, that's myself, Scott Criscola, and Steve Willie on the main event. I've got a show called The Chain Reaction, which only comes out, you know, maybe four or five times a year after the big uh, WWE pay-per-views. Uh, it's kind of like a roundtable show. Uh, and that's on the Kings of Sport Patreon and uh, Place to Be Nation. Uh, I've got the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, which is on Post Wrestling, which is a movie review show where every week or every month, excuse me, me and a guest uh, review the movies of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, and then I have uh, 
the Black Lightning Podcast, which is over at the DC TV Podcast Network, where uh, we we review the CW Black Lightning show. So those are like my main shows, and then you'll hear me pop up on different shows from time to time. So yeah, I, I keeps it busy on these podcast streets. E. Damn, you forgot to mention Always Forward, man. We did that for a little bit. Always. Yeah, forward. and then matter of fact, uh, anybody that is that liked the show or missed the show and wants to go back and listen to it. I got all the episodes of Always Forward. They're now on the Kings of Sport Patreon. Ah, okay, okay. That's so because I, I, I was like, why am I paying for Podbean if we're not doing the show right now? So I might as well just take all the episodes, cancel my Podbean subscription, and put everything on the Kings of Sport Patreon. So that way, instead of paying Podbean, the people pay me to hear us talk about Luke Cage. Yep. Also, we did a, a special episode where we talked about, you know, we have all the. All, all, all our podcast friends came together. We talked about Black Panther as yep. well, so that was cool episode too. Yeah, and I the, that that episode's on the uh, Patreon, and also I did an episode uh, last year uh, reviewing Cloak and Dagger season one with my niece, so uh, that's up there as well. Oh man, Nate, man, oh my God, there's there's so many things you're involved in, yo. Know? It's so it, it's 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 beautiful and crazy, and it's 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 amazing at the same time, man. But um. You know, I know we talked a lot. We jib and, jib and jabber. We talked about like movies and whatnot, wrestling shows. But um, take it um, take it back for me because I don't even think I really know it myself, man. Um, so how did you get involved in podcasting, and how did it start out for you? I mean, I started in podcasting in, I guess, twenty thirteen. Uh, with the launch of the Kings of Sport, you know, I'd been a guest on a couple podcasts before that. Uh. I had been on uh, Bob's Boneyard, which is a show that no longer exists from my uh, uh, buddy Bob France and, and the crew over there. Uh, he now does Dork Trek, which is a great uh, Star Trek uh, review show, reviewing like all the Star Trek shows. Uh, and I, I guessed it on uh, Live Audio Wrestling uh, when, when they were still around on the Fight Network. Uh, but really, it just comes from being a broadcaster. You know, that's what I went to school for, E. That's what I've been doing, you know, pretty much for the last 19, 20 years straight, uh, whether it's on TV, radio, whatever, whatever. And the way the Kings of Sport came about was it was myself, Marcus from Yahoo Sports, and uh, Alfred Cunnawa, Big Nasty, who is no longer with the show uh, uh, from Bleacher Report. And, uh, you know, we just enjoyed talking to each other online. And I was like, you know what? We should probably start a show. And we did, and it clicked. And, uh, you know, we made some minor changes here and there, tinker with the formula. And, uh, you know, we still going strong uh, today with the Kings of Sport. And, you know, just kind of off of that, people started hearing me uh, on the podcast that really, you know, couldn't hear me doing a high school football broadcast or, or doing a basketball broadcast, you know, because they're not living here in Virginia. Uh, but, you know, with the, with the Internet, man, you could have listeners everywhere, you know, whether you're talking about uh, Virginia, Wisconsin, L.A., uh, Ukraine, you know, I, I know you – being the whistleblower and all, you, you used to dealing with the Russians and everything, brother, but we're not going to get into that because I, I don't want to cause you no, tr no trouble. Uh, okay. But the thing with the internet, man, is everybody can do it, right? And yeah. so, one of the, one of the, like, one of the shows that I, I always like listening to was uh, uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man on Batman, which is now Fat Man Beyond. Yeah. And one of the things he says is, like, if you got an idea and you want to do a show, just do it. Like, it doesn't matter if you have 10 people listening or 100 people listening or, you know, 10,000 people listening, you know, if you got an idea and, 
you know, you want to go out there and put put your idea out there in the universe, go for it because it's relatively inexpensive. You know, you just need a mic, uh, a computer, and you know, a, a site to host your your audio. And even then, you know, sometimes you don't even have to pay for a site if you can, you know, call up your cable company nefarious means and get the hookup. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's basically been like the last six, seven years. I kind of been in this and it just expanded. And, you know, the more you do, the more people hear you and the more people hear you, hopefully the more people want to work with you and, and collaborate. And, and so, you, like I said, you know, you and I have done done stuff. I've done stuff with post wrestling, done stuff with a bunch of different things, you know. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where it started. And, and, you know, still still going strong. Yeah, like but basically the king of sports is your bread and butter. That's your main one. And yeah. um, how did the concept come about? Say, okay, let's call it the king of sports. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about this. Like, how did the whole concept come about, basically? I mean, really, it just came from being frustrated listening to the radio, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, and people like uh, Colin Cowherd or people like Skip Bayless or Paul Feinbaum. And... Yeah. And, and, you know, I love sports. I love sports radio. You know, Dan Lebatar, Tony Kornheiser, uh, Bomani Jones, those are some of my favorite uh, people to listen to on the radio. But for the most part, if you just turn on a random sports station, E, and especially, you know, in your neck of the woods, I'm sure if you turn on a random sports station, it's mostly a lot of middle-aged and older white guys talking about sports. Yeah. It's not really a whole lot of, of uh, people of color, not really a whole lot of women, not really a whole lot of younger people. That's on, you know, getting on the mic and giving their opinions. And so I was like, you know, yeah, we can, we can do this. We can, we can come out here and, and, uh, you know, talk about it. And I really wanted to get three people that, that would work and fit. And we'd all have our role. Like me, I was kind of the table setter and the, the broadcast veteran guy. Marcus is the, is the hardcore journalist and he really helped us at the beginning of the show by getting us good guests from Yahoo Sports or from like the Washington Post to be able to come on the show and give us, you know, credibility. And then uh, Alfred was just, you know, the, the heat magnet. Alfred, <laughs> Alfred was the the hot take little brother that, that shoots his mouth off sometimes and gets us in trouble, but he also gets us publicity. So that's that's how it worked. And and you know, I just figured, you know, we three black men, you know, three kings, you know, we the kings of sport, baby. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And um, what happened with Alfred? Because now it's just you and Marcus. Like, that's the million-dollar question. But um, basically, and I, I think, yeah, Marcus and I have talked about this on the show before, so I don't feel like I'm telling tales out of school. But basically, uh, Alfred one day just stopped responding to our messages. And, uh, you know, he just kind of, I guess he, he, was, he ghosted us before ghosting was really a thing. Uh, wow. And, you know, just like Spider-Man knows you don't ghost Nick Fury uh, in the world of sports, you don't ghost Marcus Vandenberg. I'm joking, but it's like it's not really any beef uh, with between us and Alfred. Uh, it's more so just kind of feeling like if you didn't want to do it, you know, none of us was really getting paid at the time. You know, we get sponsorships here and there. Uh, but, you know, just, just let us know so that way we can let the audience know. Because I think one of the biggest things to having a successful podcast e besides you know being somebody that's interesting and talking to interesting people is having a connection with the audience and i think you know if you don't keep it 100 with, with the people that listen to you and the people that download your shows every week or the people that pay for your patreon you know every month then you start to lose credibility and so that was that was my whole thing with with the alfred situation it's like yeah you know Sure, go, go do what you want to do. You know, if you want to do more Bleacher Report or, or do more 
uh, stuff on your own and build your own brand, you know, God bless you all the best of luck. But I do think the way that you kind of dipped was a little bit unprofessional in the sense that you would, if, even if you don't owe it to me and Marcus, I think you owe it to the audience to give them a proper goodbye. Yeah. Is that something you regret that it never, it never was like an official goodbye like type situation? Yeah. Because I think that, you know, I think, well, I think the show's gotten better but with just the two of us, just because it's easier to do because you don't have to work around three people's schedules and, you know, Marcus and I can just hop on and, and knock a show out and we've got our rhythm down now, you know, after, you know, six, seven years. But I think that, you know, it would have been good for the audience to have that, you know, kind of send off and we could have had a, we could have had a really fun show, but it also would have been good for Alfred because uh, I, you know, regardless of whether you agree with what he said on the air or, or you disagreed, he was important at the beginning of the show, you know, to start the the foundation and build the, you know, build the uh, framework for what the Kings of Sport would eventually become. So, yeah, I think, again, like I said, man, it's no beef for me. To me, it's more a sense of, like, when you leave a town, like in wrestling, if you leave a town, you got to leave a town the right way. You leave a company, you got to leave a company the right way. And unfortunately, I just think this wasn't done the right way. And Ultimately, I think the listeners were the ones that missed out because, yeah, we could have built it up. And, and, you know, if we had known like a month in advance that he was going to leave, we could have built it up, had this crazy, you know, send off and and let, you know, we might even done like a call in show, let the people talk to him. You know, we, I think it would have been a really cool thing for us and for the for the audience as well. But, uh, you know, it didn't happen. So say, say la vie. That's what they say, man. Yeah. Yeah. And um. What is it about? I would say one monkey don't stop the show, but I don't want to be racist. <laughs> you said it. You said it. I didn't say shit. <laughs> you, okay. you know, people quick to get mad these days, East. I don't want that was a joke, America. I don't want no problems. Oh, uh, I don't know if you see the Chappelle show, Sticks and Stones, but man. man yeah. Matter of fact, I just watched that this morning while I was uh I was waiting on Marcus uh, to get free so we could record this week's edition of Kings of Sport. I heard so much talk about it and, uh, you know, various opinions back and forth. I saw it and I'm like, wow, like it's, it's good because Dave Chappelle is good. Like Dave, regardless of whether you like his material, you can't disrespect the fact that this man is one of the greatest comedians of all time. He has one of the best comedic minds of all time, but there were points where I was like, Oh, I don't know if I would have been bold enough to say that. Not in 2019, dog. I know. You know, it, it, it's just so funny. Like, you know, I, I was talking about that with Nerd Soul, Michael Young. Big shout out to uh, Michael Young. But um, back in the 80s and the 90s, you know, everything everything evolves. Every, like, every decade you know, or a couple of years, everything evolves and things change. And and, and it, it's like a cycle and evolution of different things. How, you know, there's certain things you could see in movies that you can't see now. Certain things you could say you can't say now. Everything is, is is such a PC world. I'm a fan of stand-up comedy. Like I'm pretty sure you are. Like I came up watching like the the greats in the game, like Eddie Murphy. You know what I'm saying? Richard Pryor, George Carlin. You know, even going into the, the '90s when you talk about Martin Lawrence and Chris Tucker. You know, and and, and uh, Louis C.K. before he got into his situation. You know, people like that. And like one thing I always appreciate is a well-crafted joke. And like even on some of the topics that I thought was a little bit controversial, like the uh, LGBTQ joke about the, the car, <laughs> like that's some that's some 
brilliantly crafted joke in the way that he set it up with everybody driving in the car and gave everybody their positions. Now, would yeah. would look, would I say that joke? Probably not, but I'm not Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think there's a thing that there's a thing too that comedy should always provoke, right? Yeah. Like comedy should always be able to say the things that we can't say in, in, in regular day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a line though where when you start punching down, it the jokes become less funny, I think. Uh because I think it's always funnier to punch up than to punch down. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying give or take, but the thing is, you notice not every comedian will go on that level. It's yeah. like you know, take a certain type of talent to do that. You know, if that's the case, every from every other comedian will try to push the envelope, but not everybody does. Some play it really safe, and he like you know, he it's not like he's out all the time. So when he comes out and does a special, you know, it's going to be relevant and big topic that he's going to talk about. So it's just. You know, it's I, I I just think people are just like you know I understand some of the like probably some of the jokes bothered you, but it's kind of refreshing hearing what everybody's thinking in minds all along. That's what I think. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it also like you you hit on it right there. E, it depends on the messenger because. Yeah. Dave Chappelle has earned that credibility. You know, people like Chris Rock have earned that type of credibility. If you some dude that's just straight out of a comedy store, you just, you know what I'm saying, you just came up, uh, you know, last year, last week, you can't really get away with stuff like that because you haven't earned the audience's trust because, like, someone like Dave Chappelle, yeah, he's always pushed that edge. He's always walked that line. But we know how smart and how intelligent this dude is and how real his jokes get. If you're somebody that hasn't earned that, though, I don't know if it comes across the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's like, true. You can't be Billy Bob off the street telling Dave Chappelle jokes because I'm looking at because then we're gonna look at you like, mm, and and who are you, sir? <laughs> like, <laughs> like last week you was working at Popeyes serving chicken sandwiches. Now you're trying to tell me jokes about gay people. I don't think so, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I'm saying, speaking about that, Jake Chappelle, it was just so brilliant, especially with the whole juicy schmule. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was just like he touched on everything. Every single nerve he touched, basically. And and you need somebody like that, man, in comedy. Like, I think some of my favorite comedians kind of push that edge. And it's funny we talk about Dave Chappelle because another person that's associated with Dave that I think does a really good job of, of kind of pushing the envelope as well. Uh, maybe not in Dave's style, but in his own way he does. And that's uh, Neil Brennan. Who, yeah. Like, Neil Brennan to me is somebody that, like, I think were he were he somebody that uh, like, if Neil Brennan had come up in the 80s using the same material, I think we'd look at Neil Brennan kind of like we looked at, you know, people like a Mitch Hedberg or, or, or people, you know, like uh, a George Carlin that, that, that kind of tell it like it is, guys. Uh, but because we're in this new era where, you know, everything, the lines are kind of shifting as we speak, uh, I don't think somebody like Neil Brennan is truly uh, fully appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's it's sad sometimes where, where people are appreciated is like when they're gone sometimes. Usually yeah. a lot of people look at somebody when they're dead and be like, oh, let me see their body of work and you realize how brilliant they were. Like, you know, Mitch Hedberg, like, honestly, I, I, I heard about Mitch Hedberg when he passed, and then I seen his work. He was funny as hell. He's sort of similar to Ron Funches, if you're familiar with Ron Funches. Yeah, yeah, like, Ron Funches is great. 
Yeah, Ron Funches, I think, was influenced by Mitch Hedberg, too. So, like, his body of work was amazing, man. And yeah, Mitch, just... Mitch Hedberg was, was, was great. Uh, I'll tell you who else was, like, this is somebody who I would love to have seen in this current era, particularly when you talk about, you know, uh, kind of, quote, unquote, outrage culture and also living in a world where Donald Trump is president. I yeah. think Patrice O'Neill will be having a field day right now. God, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He was freaking awesome, man. Like, Patrice oh. O'Neill was a beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And, and wasn't he, he was on a radio show, too, right? With, um... Oh, yeah, he was on, radio? was it Opie and Anthony? Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah, Patrice um, was a beast. Because, I like, one of my favorite jokes, I think the last special he did was called The Elephant in the Room, I think. Uh, and he was telling a joke about how, uh, like relationships work and, and, uh, comparing like men and women to like fishermen and fish. And he's like, uh, you know, women say they don't want a guy that's been with a lot of uh, other girls, but then he's like, he's like, would you go to a fisherman that ain't never caught no fish? She's like, the fact that I could fish and I have a good fishing pole and a tackle is what brought you into the boat in the first place. But now you say I smell like too many different fish. <laughs> and I'm not doing the joke justice, but just like the way he kind of went for stuff, like he he was uh, somebody that I think was ahead of his time, man. Yeah, and um, I think Greg Giraldo too. There was a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. It's funny how we just veered into comedy, man, because comedy just comedy, you know, it talks about everything. So it's just, you know, it's it's it, it's crazy that sometimes. You got to hear a good joke to get what's going on in society if people have no idea what's going on in the world nowadays. Comedians, like, put a spotlight on, like, the main topics at hand and what's going on. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, I think, and I'll throw out a recommendation. I don't even know if this show is still available. Uh, but Neil Brennan, speaking of Neil, used to do a podcast called The Champs. And uh, basically it was Neil, uh, Moshe Kasher, who's a comedian, and then uh, this guy named Doug, who I think worked with uh, uh, Tim and Eric on uh, Adult Swim. Okay. And uh, basically, they just had a different black comedian on the show every week. So it's three white comedians talking to a black comedian every week. And they had, like, David Allen Greer was on there. Cat Williams was on there. And they would just talk for, like, an hour, hour and a half about comedy. And, and they tell jokes and talk about their life experiences and that like if you're a fan of comedy and that show still exists somewhere i would i would seek it out because they had some really good interviews wait a minute so every guest they had was a black comedian like every, yeah uh, that was the oh. uh like that was the framework of the show they're like the rules of the show is every guest has to be a black comedian and then i think one week they had somebody who was half black so they're like is does he still qualify he, he's i know he's biracial but does he qualify and they're like yeah we'll we'll let you slide this week <laughs> That's funny in itself, man. <laughs> yeah, like the, just the setup to the show was funny. Oh man, <laughs> every every guest is a black is a, is a black comedian. That's yep, funny, the, the Champs podcast. Uh, like I I don't I don't know if it's still available uh, anywhere, but yeah, it was it was hilarious. Oh man, uh, Nate. Um, to get back to you because I know we veered off topic about comedy, which is which is perfectly fine. But um, how what like what made you? I, I know you say you had a lot of influences, but what made you decide you want you you yourself wanted to get into broadcasting like that? Like what 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 was like the epiphany? Like this is it. This is what I want to do. I mean, I don't even think I really had an epiphany. It, it's just been always something I did. Like I used to play sports when I was a kid, but I think one of the important things in life is to 
as uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson would say, know your role. You know, you know, you got to know your lane. And being an athlete was never going to be my lane. <laughs> you know, I, the, like the furthest I got was I played a, a little baseball in college, but I was not, uh, I was not great. Uh, so like, even when I was in uh, middle school and high school, I knew that I still wanted to be around sports. So what, what was my lane? Did I want to be a coach? No, not really. Did I want to be a referee or a trainer or something like that? No, not really. Uh, what's, what, what are my skills? My skills are I can communicate, you know, I can be funny, you know, I can talk, uh, you know, I got a decent sized vocabulary. So let me, let me do that. And so like people like Bob Costas, uh, and, and Brian Gumble, you know, people like that, that I listen to do sports on the air, uh, and call games when I was younger, they were kind of my heroes and, and my influences. And so from there, you know, I just got into uh, a broadcasting program in high school and then went to school for broadcasting. And, you know, just ever since, like I, I'd say literally ever since, uh, you know, I say I've been doing it for 20 years, but that's really just kind of professionally. It's been 20 years since I've been getting paid to do this. Uh, but I've been broadcasting probably since I was 14, 15 years old in one way, shape or form. Oh, have you ever was influenced by Bernard Shaw? Like you ever seen his work? I see, yeah, well, see, that's a, that's the thing. Like watching sports, and and you know, if you grew up in the '90s, there was sports was different than it is now in the sense that sports was appointment viewing. Whether you're talking about you know the NBA on NBC on Sunday, or you know Monday Night Football, or uh, Tuesday Night Fights, you know, with Joe Tessitore, uh, or you know Max Kellerman was somebody that I watched coming up. That was that was a big influence because. Max was somebody, you know, I always kind of lean towards the people that weren't athletes, you know, because, and no disrespect to former athletes that, you know, are broadcasters, but to me, almost anybody that has, that played the sport and can put a couple sentences together, they've got a leg up on a job. You know, we just saw Jason Witten was on Monday and he wasn't great at all, but the reason Jason Witten was on Monday Night Football is because he's a Dallas Cowboy Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And so... I like people like a Tony Kornheiser, like a Mike Wilbon, uh, like a Stephen A. Smith, people that were passionate about sports, but they, you know, they weren't athletes, but they could talk about sports all day long. Because, uh, like, when I saw Max Kellerman talk about boxing, it's like this guy is, uh, like, he's smart, and, he, you know, he's using all these big, sophisticated words, but at the same time, like, you could tell Max Kellerman loved boxing, and he was, like, he was a real dude. You know, I know you – being in New York, you know, Max Kellerman wasn't like, he wasn't putting on this, this act, you know, he was who he was. And so that's like, if you can be real and be yourself, I think that's the best path to, you know, kind of finding your lane because anybody can be an impression of somebody else, right? Anybody can imitate or mimic, but why would you want to be like the third or fourth rate version of, uh, you know, uh, somebody like, uh, Al Michaels when you could be the best version of yourself. Exactly. And it's funny you talk about Max Kellerman because like when I saw him like living in New York, he started out doing public access television, mm -hmm. which is television, Max Unboxing, live call-in show, you know? He used to do that every Tuesdays, I think at 10 o'clock and all of a sudden he's on television and his brother was a rapper Sam Kellerman. Yep. It's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's funny where your passion takes you because sometimes it will veer you, like back then there was really no podcast i don't think there was at that time where he was not really yeah i think podcast, i don't know 
I I, I don't know my dates or when like an, an official podcast came out, but it wasn't it wasn't like in the early nineties or nothing like that. I don't think. No, I, I think probably maybe maybe at the earliest you're talking maybe mid nineties because I know uh, there's the one guy I keep, I always forget his name, but it's Adam something, the guy that used to work for MTV. Like he's usually get the credit for kind of being the originator of a podcast, but who knows? Like with stuff like this, who 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 knows who was the first person to put something on a microphone and then put it out so other people could hear it. Yeah, I know, I know. But um, it, it, it's crazy how, like, you know, he, he used what he, that talent, and then, it, you know, he is the person he is today. So it, it's crazy you saying that you had all these different influences because it molded you to become the neat Milton you are now. So Adam Curry, like, that's the dude. Adam Curry Adam, is a, yeah. Oh yeah, and then it was Kurt Loader. I remember, I remember the old DJs and the news guys from MTV. Wow, man! It's yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at his Wikipedia, and it says he started. Oh, I guess he started like the early 2000s. So yeah. Oh, so, early I, so yeah, I guess you know, podcasting is still a relatively new format. And here's the other thing, E, that I think you know you can relate to. Podcasting. Let's say podcasting started in 2000. So you're talking mm-hmm. about 19 years of this this medium, this this form of conversation. Out of those 19 years, I really think it's maybe only been the last last seven, eight years of that where we've really had you know women and people of color uh, kind of get some shine. Because for the most part, even though like, and I'm not taking any any uh, shade at people like uh, Adam Curry or uh, Mark Marin or Kevin Smith, but for the bulk of like the early days of podcasting it was just a bunch of white dudes talking yeah yeah when you think about it yeah i think you're right like i'm trying to try to now, now you're making me think was there any black person or spanish person who had a podcast at that early time but i don't think so was when did mark bernard and Kel come in to talk with kevin smith because he wasn't that's like always... recently that's like in the within the last three four years yeah okay okay like yeah. i think Probably the first black person to have a podcast would probably be somebody who either worked for like an ESPN Sports or CBS Sports Radio, and they just kind of took the podcast and made it into like they took the radio show and made it into a podcast form. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe Bamani Jones because I know he was doing the uh, the Evening Jones, which was a radio show that they made into a podcast uh, up in Canada for a little while. But yeah, like. Black people, in particular, like like a, somebody, I'm thinking about somebody like a Larry Wilmore or Ron Funches. A lot of comedians now that have their own shows. That's a relatively recent thing, like within the last five six years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a, that, that's like I didn't even really think about that. Like you just put you broke it down for like. Oh, and then, like don't even th- like when when it comes to like yeah like you and I we're we're men of color and we got we got shows. But when you break it down to even like women of color, then the ratio becomes even smaller of you know people that are out there with with shows that are getting getting play and so yeah i think that's like the next that's like the next barrier i think that is going to be broken uh well the two big things i think for podcasting e is we need we're going to see the tent open up more so we're going to see uh more uh lgbtq people they, they're going to get in that car Dave Chappelle was talking about and <laughs> right right into the podcast space and do more of that uh you're going to see more women in podcasting and I think you're going to see people try to figure out better ways to monetize this thing because that's like the last, the last hurdle. Like, yeah, you got people out here making money, like uh, Kevin Smith and, and Mark Marin, like I said earlier. But I think they're gonna we're gonna find a way for more 
quote unquote regular folk to start to be able to, you know, earn some income through this thing. Yeah, it, it's crazy because you know what? Because it's like everybody has a podcast, basically, and I, you know, I'm just putting myself in that question. Everybody has a podcast, and you know, some of them are geared towards different things. Like, there's a podcast about, you know, like the serial podcast, and there's there's like Mark Maron podcast interview formats. You know, yep. podcasts about movies, podcasts about cinema. You know, it's 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 there's so much categories of different podcasts out there that. You know, there even there's people that like I talk to. A lot of them don't listen to podcasts, but they'll like watch a ESPN radio shows. Just you know, like on on, on ESPN and just yeah. like see what's going on. But it's like, it, it, I, like I, I'm trying to think of myself. Like, how the hell that I got introduced to podcasts? I think I just heard it by accident randomly one day, mm. and I don't know. Like I was googling something about. I think it was it was like about movies, and then like a a, a movie podcast came out, and I was just hearing it. I was like, oh my god! I didn't even know this thing. <laughs> for real. Randomly, like I would, they, I, I was sick and I had went to the hospital. I was waiting in the doctor's office. So I'm just like waiting to hear. Like I'm just looking at my phone and yeah. I see this random people are talking about movies. I'm like, oh snap! What's that? And then you know, there you go. There's the, it's pretty much a podcast. You just stream it. You know, like a Windows Media Player, and then just hear it and stream it. So it's it, I'm saying there's everybody pretty much has a podcast about everything. But um, um I'm I'm um. What I'm, I'm getting off topic, but what, like, when you hear a podcast, when you hear a certain show, what is the first thing that attracts you to it? Is it like the host? Is it the content? Is it what they're talking about? Like, like, what is it that you would listen to? I mean, it, it depends. Like, it, it varies, but there are certain things that I look for. Like, I have to like the host, right? Uh-huh. If I, if I, and, and it, it could be something as simple e as their voice. Like, if I can't rock with your voice you could be having the greatest show in the world and I might not be able to listen to it wow, because, really? you know, because we're sitting here, like when you, when you do a podcast and you know this E, you're basically having a conversation with a listener, even though, you know, you're talking to a guest. And so you're asking somebody to spend 30, 40 minutes, an hour, 90 minutes, however long your show is, you're asking them to spend that time with you. And so if, if you're, if your voice or the way you speak or, you know, something's not connecting it can be a situation that turns somebody off, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but I can't, I can't get past the barrier of your voice, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think I, I need to be able to connect with the host, uh, but the content to me is the biggest thing because that's how I find a lot of shows that I didn't know before. Uh, and I'll give you a good example of one. Uh, one of my favorite shows now is a show called School of Movies. Mm. And okay. it's uh, it's this movie review show by uh, these two British. It's this British couple. And first of all, like you already get, you already got me on the on the host because you know they're they're so charming and so delightful, and we we're talking about you know movies like this. Uh, but also the subject matter, like they 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 do uh, you know the MCU movies, all the Star Wars movies. They're they're doing these great movie reviews, um, and then the production is is like top notch. Like I. <laughs> I do a pretty decent job with production on the Kings of Sport, but like their production is ridiculous. And like they get so deep into like they did a show on Star Wars and the prequels and, and talk about Anakin. And the host is like, let's talk about the deep psychological issues that Anakin Skywalker had in the prequels. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm here for, for, for the next 40 minutes. Uh, we can do this, dog. Uh, so I, I think there's a, there's a combination of things. 
But for me, the things that stand out the most are I got to like the host. I have to have a connection with the host. I got to be interested in the subject matter. And, you know, the third thing is if you can introduce me to interesting guests and new people that I, I hadn't heard of before, then that's a bonus. You know, so like one of my other favorite shows is uh, and I'm big on, movie. you know, you'll notice the theme. I'm big on movie reviews. Uh, one of my other favorite shows is uh, How Did This Get Made? Like, that might have been one of the first shows I ever watched uh, or ever listened to. And I think the reason I had an iPod and I knew that, you know, you could put podcasts on iPod. And so, you know, I had a buddy tell me about it. As a matter of fact, Bob was the guy that got me into podcast podcast, uh, Bob France from Bob's Boneyard. So his show was the first podcast I listened to. But then I'm like, OK, I can't just listen to this one show. I need to listen to something else on this iPod. So I, I went and searched. And I I had seen Demolition Man on cable. And I'm like, you know what? Is there a Demolition Man podcast? And the, answer, the answer is no, because why would there be? Um, but there was an episode of How Did This Get Made where they, you know, reviewed Demolition Man. And so I, I downloaded that. And from listening to that, I was like, okay, cool. Let me subscribe to How Did This Get Made. And then Moshe Kasher from The Champs was on an episode of How Did This Get Made. And I was like, okay, he's got a podcast called The Champs. Let me... Let me check out the champs. And so from listening to the champs, you know, I, it, it's crazy how you can just get connected. And so that's one of the things I want to do, like on uh, the Rocky Mavia picture show is just bring different people in and different guests on, because you never know, like you might hear somebody on my show, uh, like the most recent episode I reviewed, get smart with uh, Jennifer Smith from place to be nation. And she's a ridiculous hum human being in the best way. And I think, like, if you listen to that, you're like, oh, this chick is pretty cool. She knows what she's talking about. Let me see what else she's doing. And that's how you find other shows. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, with the with the Rock, Rocky Maivia picture show, um, have you finished reviewing all the Rock's movies? Like, I'm trying to think. How many movies does he have? Really, Efra? You Do you know how many movies Dwayne Johnson got out, partner? How many? How I'm going to be doing this show until, like, because we only do one a month. So I'm going to be doing this show probably for the next five years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, right now, like, we, we Get Smart is the last one we did. So we we only up to 2008 in terms of The Rock's career. Oh, my God. I still okay. got a whole other decade, man. I ain't even got to Fast and the Furious yet. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you did you did uh, Southland Tales like you yeah did I did movie. Southland Tales with uh, Brian Mann former WWE writer oh okay oh, all right so you're still in the early period of the Rock movie basically yeah because we like I said we only do one a month because uh, basically the way uh, Rocky Mavia Picture Show came about was uh, you know you, you know you know Brian Mann we had him on uh, uh Always Forward yeah and uh, so Brian Mann and I used to do Keep It Two Thousand for the Law. Uh, no, excuse me. We used to do uh, review and impact for the law, and then that led to uh, Keep It One Hundred, which led to Keep It Two Thousand. And we were doing Keep It Two Thousand over on Post Wrestling, and then we just kind of had to stop that because uh, Brian got a new gig uh, with Complex, working with uh with uh, your boy uh, Rosenbaum Rosenberg. My bad. I was thinking of Michael Rosenbaum, but it's uh, Peter Rosenberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, he got this great gig, so we weren't able to continue the show just because of time constraints and, and scheduling issues. And so John and Wade from Post Wrestling were like, you know, if you ever want to do another show, you know, hit me up, hit us up and, uh, you know, we can work something out. And so I was like, OK, give me give me a few months. Give me give me some time to think about it, because I really didn't want to add another weekly review show onto my plate, which was already getting pretty full. 
Yeah. Uh, so I was like, what can I do? And then one night I was watching uh, I was watching uh, The Rundown with The Rock and Sean William Scott. Mm, and okay. so as I do, I, I looked up, I'm like, is there any rundown reviews? And turns out, and this, I think this is the first time I've ever, ever said this uh, on, a, on a podcast, uh, E, there was another rock review, movie review podcast out called Rock Talk. <laughs> what? There was a movie <laughs> review podcast out called Rock Talk. And I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a cool concept. But, and no disrespect to Rock Talk, because I think those guys did a good job with the show. But I was like, I think I could do this a little bit better, or at least do it in, in, in a different way, you know, bringing my style to it. And so I was like, I, I hit John away back up, and I was like, okay. Let's do a one-month movie review show, a once-a-month movie review show, because uh, that's a schedule I can work with. And I want to review Dwayne The Rock Johnson movies, and I have a guest on every every month, and we'll call it the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. And they were like, great, brilliant, do it. So that's that's kind of how that show got started. Oh, that's that's brilliant, especially once a month, because, you know, The Rock... Because I thought it was like a, like, a, like a weekly show, so... No, no, like, no. Like, really, I... I I honestly could not do a weekly show at this point. Just with everything that's on my plate right now, it wouldn't be feasible. And and that's the thing, like, because even with the Kings of Sport, we've kind of gone from doing once a week to doing uh, two shows a month, maybe three shows a month. Uh, but I think we can get away with that with Kings of Sport because, A, the listeners are, you know, we've got a six-year listener base built up. But also we've got a Patreon. So if you're not satisfied with just two or three shows a month, we got – 50 hours worth of content on the Patreon you can sign up for and get get the Kings of Sport that way. Uh, but no, I couldn't I couldn't handle doing another uh, weekly show just just given my time constraints and I I wouldn't want to start something and, and not be able to finish it because again you know you don't want to cheat your audience you know going back to what happened with Alfred you don't want to burn your audience and so to me that's the biggest thing like if you say you're gonna do a show do a show and if you can't do it you know come out immediately and be like hey this is what happened everybody you know the show's still coming out but you know we had these difficulties whatever whatever because people understand you know we're all busy and nobody's really making a living off of this podcast thing but i think you got to be upfront with the audience and and be transparent because these these are people that are invested in something that you do and so i think like to me if 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 i tried to do a weekly show with the rocket mind via podcast it it would it wouldn't have worked because i would have i would have to uh, drop it after probably about a month. Oh man, I'm saying, but that's that in a way that it's it's so brilliant because you know, like you're saying it now, once a month, like he has a a a, a crap load of movies out there, you know, from good to bad to you know, great. You know, The Rock has, and he's also a former wrestler, so it yep. works out for both wrestling. Yeah, really. like I want to say just off the top of my head, he's got at least thirty thirty movie credits. Like and I'm talking just like starring role or co-starring roles. So you know that's at least two years worth of programming. So it's also job security, e because uh, mama didn't raise no fools. <laughs> that's that's at least a two-year deal with post wrestling that I got. <laughs> and you know Dwayne Johnson ain't running out of business anytime soon. Nope. That guy everything, man. So that's 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 brilliant, man. You know, and I'm um, speaking about podcasts and doing your stuff. Um, do you, a lot of the stuff that you do, is it a lot of research you put into it or it's stuff that you pretty much know, like, you know, you pretty much know doing Johnson movies and like for the King of Sports, you watch all sports. So 
Um, besides that, is do you have to like put in any like research for certain things or just things that are that you already know on the top of your head? I try not to do too much research because then it becomes more of a job. Okay. And, you know, I like with the Rocky Maivia picture show. I'll watch the movie and I'll take notes, but like I don't look up every single thing. Like I basically what I do is I have the Wikipedia page open, I have IMDb trivia open, and then I have my notes that I took watching the movie, and that's it. Like I'm not deep diving because here's and here's the secret, E. And and you know this, the, like a good podcast, it really isn't about what you got in the format, what you got structured. Like, yeah, you can use that as a guideline. But the magic happens when you get a guest on and where, you know, you f- kind of follow the guest where they lead. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. uh, like like the last episode with Get Smart, I did not know that Jenny is not a fan of The Rock as an actor. Oh. She's the first person to come on the show that's like, yeah, I don't like that guy as an actor. I don't know why he, why people love him. Like the movies aren't really that good. And so because of that, we were able to kind of take the episode in a whole different path and you know, get into celebrity culture and fame and race in Hollywood and, and self-esteem issues. So we spent like out of the hour episode, we spent probably 30, 40 minutes on that and maybe only 20 minutes talking about get smart. And so uh like and with the Kings of Sport, like you said, man, like we watch sports, uh, and Marcus is the sports editor uh for Yahoo Sports. So like he brings Marcus brings a lot of the credibility and the knowledge to the table in terms of you know exact stats and 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 things of that nature and then what i bring is the broadcasting skills plus somebody that's like i'm watching all of these sports and so uh, that's how that comes about like really i'd say the show that took the most research e and this is gonna sound crazy was probably always forward because really that was the show where like i like a, it took the most research, and B, it took a lot of editing because you know I I tried to get super fancy and super super cute with the damn edits and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. like that show took to the most research because, and we talked about it, I think on Always Forward, like I've been a fan of comic books and superhero stuff for a minute, but I'd never done a show like that. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was make sure I, I have my. Cause you know, you know, E. If anybody's gonna call you out on being wrong with your information, it's gonna be geeks and nerds like us. <laughs> yep. well, well, actually, Luke Cage premiered in 1972, not 1973, like you said on the show. Yeah, and actually, Luke Cage in the beginning did not have a goatee. He was clean cut, and he had a fro, <laughs> and he had a, he had a, a big silver tiara, and he had a chain for a belt. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So, yeah, that show was the one I had to, like, do the most prep for, you know, just because I wanted to make sure that uh, that, that we were on point with what we were bringing to the table in terms of, uh, you know, Luke Cage and, and doing do it. Beside, well, the other thing with that show, too, E, was it was such a big show for people of color Yeah, that I didn't want to do a half-ass show with uh, with that series. Yeah. I know, and people don't realize that. Like, you know, you're talking about Luke Cage. Like, oh, it's another superhero. No, not necessarily. Like, he shut down Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It was a, you know, for a lot of people, that show, similar to Black Panther, you know, the whole cast was, it was all black cast, just about. You know what yep. I'm saying? It was an all black cast. And, you know, Mike Coulter, the lead, like, it, that show really changed. You know, even though now it's not considered part of, like, 
the 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 Marvel structure now because you know it, you know it's sad that it, it's freaking canceled all the Netflix shows, but you know that's another story. But yeah. it, it, you know it, it put it put it put a spotlight on black superheroes basically. You know, it put a spotlight for that. For real, know? if if Luke Cage doesn't happen, Black Lightning probably doesn't get greenlit by CW. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. You're right. And you, now Black Lightning is like one of the best superhero shows on TV. Yeah, and you notice it's not the same, but like the tone of it, you know, mm-hmm. like almost has a similar tone, but you know, it, it was very influenced by Luke Cage. You could tell. Yeah, and it, like like for all those Netflix series were were good in varying degrees. Like even season two of Iron Fist. Like I know the first season was kind of weak, but the season two, like they they stepped up a lot. So it's it's sad that uh, that those shows got canceled, and it's also sad that. The uh, like the Marvel Studios people never really were able to work it out with the Marvel TV people because like there was a lot of stuff that you could have did between the TV shows and the movies that I think they they kind of dropped the ball on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just so funny that to me, like even the CW, which a lot of people frown upon, like their structure of television with superheroes is amazing. You know, yeah. you got. Five shows that that they're gonna inter- intersect with each other. It's like their own universe. The DC streaming service, you know, it has Titans and I guess the one season of Swamp Thing and yep. you know like everything. Doom is- Patrol. Yeah, yeah, Doom Patrol. Thank you. Like everything, it sort of connects in that world. But it's like for Marvel, there. I don't know. Like there's mention. I think. I think what is it? Cloak and Dagger sort of connected with Luke Cage because yeah, Cloak and Dagger is connected to Luke Cage because. Uh, the cop in Cloak and Dagger worked in uh, Harlem with Misty Knight, and then in season two of Cloak and Dagger, like they actually have a paper article. Uh, it's an article written by uh, uh, was it uh, is it Trish or is it no Trish is on the radio. Patty's the newspaper writer oh. uh, from Daredevil. Like, uh, or was Patty on Daredevil or Jessica Jones? Oh damn that! Uh, wait, Matt Murdock, Karen Page. You mean right, Karen Page? Was it Karen that was the writer? Yeah, I believe the blonde hair girl, right, Karen? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Hellcat. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting my people confused. But yeah, yeah. Karen Page wrote uh, an article that in season two of Cloak and Dagger, they're looking at like when Luke Cage and uh, Diamondback had the fist fight in Harlem, and it was an article about that fight. Oh, really? Oh. And then Cloak and Dagger is connected with uh, Runaways because they're doing a crossover coming up so yeah like they could have done a lot of cool stuff with this but i think it's just and you know you like with the sony stuff with sony and, and marvel with spider-man whenever you get big money and stuff like that people egos get involved and it's like instead of doing what's best for your consumers and your audience you're trying to see you know you having dick measuring contests between kevin feige and uh who's the guy that was in charge of uh tv was it uh was it jeff Lowe? Um, ike promoter promoter okay Okay, yeah, Perlmutter and, and Feige trying to see who got the, the the biggest hammer tech gun, and and the ones that end up losing are, are the audience. Yeah, I know it's 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 crazy. Like you know, thank you know, thank God we got Spider Man for at least two more movies. Yeah. You know, that squared away. But I knew that was gonna happen though. It wasn't no way that they were gonna mess up that money like that. You would have to be unbelievably stupid to to drop the ball with that. Yeah, I think I know it was. I think it, it was bad all around. Like right now, it's just a band aid to me until they they could get a real good deal. But it's just 
one more movie and Spider-Man in an ensemble movie, which probably be another Avengers movie. But um, I just think right now for like, you know, I think the next Spider-Man's in 2021, but I just think they really, really got to hash out a better deal, though. But I think for right now, it's a good Band-Aid fix, you know? You know, what they should have did, Eve, was, and, and I, I was saying this when the when the original conflict came out, because Marvel wanted, Marvel wanted what, 50-50? Yeah. Which, which was ridiculous because, you know, you're going from what? 10, was it 10, 20% originally? I think they wanted five, five it was 5%, right? Five, oh, yeah, you're going from 5% to 50 Like, nah, that's, that's too much, dog. But it, by the same token, Sony was being silly because without the MCU, you just got another Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And, you know, no offense to Andrew Garfield, but that ain't what people want right now, E. Yeah. So I think what they should have done was instead of going 50-50, they should have done 70-30. Sony gets 70%. Marvel gets 30%. Marvel gets to keep the merchandise. And then Sony gets exclusive rights to make MCU-based video games for the uh, PlayStation. Mm. That's because to me, that's a, a, a revenue stream that I think they're missing out on, E. Like, when's the last time we had a really good Marvel video game? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a long time. With a, a, a Ultimate Alliance, like, 10 years ago? Would that be... I know, and a lot of them now, like phone app games, you can play that like on the phone now. Yeah, like I think you could have had a like imagine like we saw how great the Sony Spider Man game was, right? Yeah. So imagine yeah. if you take that same kind of game engine, and now instead of like having a, a open world Spider Man game, you you do an open world Black Panther game where you can run around and travel around Wakanda. <laughs> tell, tell me that ain't making money right now, E. God, yeah, that would woo. If they if they, if they if they did the same love TLC that they did with Spider Man with a Black yep. Panther game like that, oh my god, that oh that would be really good. Or a Thor game where you could travel around Asgard, and you know they they could have used that MCU connection to 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 really boost up and and make it PlayStation exclusive, so that way Sony gets all the benefit, you know, for the PlayStation Five or whatever's next. Like they they could have made some money off of that, man. Oh no, oh, I don't know. so much potential. I'm saying they're still, you know, they're still stuff that that needs to be done but with sony i think like i don't know know. it's like they had good you know the spider-verse animation was really good movie um uh spider-man 2 with doc ock was really good you know but i think i i I think you know even besides adding the marvel characters to spider-man and integrating spider-man and mcu what made spider-man good was tom holland man tom holland is just like top notch man like yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, man, you can't you can't mess that up. Like, yeah, they would have had Tom Holland in a standalone Spider-Man movie, but you've done too much now with the character of Peter Parker and connected him to Tony Stark to just kind of erase that from the history of the character. Yeah, yeah, I know. And the people would have been pissed if they would have rebooted that, and then nobody would have seen that movie. No. So yeah, like that, that was too much money. Like. Y'all doing good right now, Sony. You don't want to end up like the DC, uh, like the DC movies were for so long, like, and and just mess things up. Like, I think DC is getting better with their movies, but like for a minute, man, they how do you mess up a Superman movie? E, how do you mess up Batman? E, like Marvel over here making money with characters like Iron Man and the damn Guardians of the Galaxy, which nobody ever heard of, and you got Superman and Batman, and you can't make money. I mean, you you can make money, but you're not getting the most money you can because people see the movie one time and they're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I know. It's it, it, it's a shame because, you know, I think 
besides Spider-Man, everybody grew up with Batman and Superman because that was the more accessible characters. Those yep. were the characters that were around for a lot. So just seeing that, like, you know, this, it, Batman versus Superman is something like, I don't know, like I could watch, if, I can't really watch all the time. Like if, if they're giving it on TV, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of it, just like certain scenes, but I don't know. It's just something about it, you know. It's just I don't know. It's it's it's, it's hard to explain that the, the, the that whole DC franchise, man. It's just so sad, man. So sad. It, well, it feels like they went like they saw like the Marvel movies. There's a lot of humor in the Marvel movies, and they was like, "All right, we're gonna be different. We ain't gonna have no humor." I'm like, yeah. I, I I don't think that's how it works, Zack Snyder. I don't think that's what you want to do, dog. So I think the good thing about like the the, the more recent movies, like uh, Aquaman and Shazam, is they found a balance. You know what I mean with the action and stuff, but they they got humor. Like because people don't want to be sitting in a superhero movie. Or most people don't want to be sitting in a superhero movie mad. Like we like we mad enough in the real world. E, why are we going to the movie theater to pay y'all to be mad for two two more hours? Yeah, and it, it felt it felt like. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying that DC was trying to capture with Marvel, but it just felt rushed, man. Like, yeah. they could have really built it up. Everybody could have had a standalone movie. I think they were just trying to be different. They were, they, I think they didn't want to say, okay, we're going to have a standalone movie. People are going to pair, compare us to Marvel. Let's just do a group movie, and then everybody's going to be, every, every character is going to have their own standalone movie, which I think was a major mistake, man. Like, you really could have built it up. It yeah. was and so well, that's the thing, man. Like, why, why, why is it so bad to be compared to Marvel. Like, why is it so bad to have people say, oh, you just doing what Marvel doing? That's what companies have done forever and forever, E. Like, Pepsi Pepsi wasn't an original idea. Somebody tasted Coke and was like, okay, we can do that, player. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> nothing, is, nothing is original. Very few things are original. So if I'm DC, yeah, I would have taken time to build things up. I would have, you know, first of all, I and I don't want to throw shade at Zack Snyder because, you know, he's he can make a pretty movie, but I don't know if that's the guy I would have had making my Superman movie. Because yeah. I think Superman should have been like, I think if, if you look at Zack Snyder's movie as like an Elseworld Superman, it kind of makes sense. But if he's supposed to be like the main Superman, it doesn't work. Because to me, the best Superman we've seen in the movies lately, uh, E, mm -hmm. is Chris Evans playing Captain America. Yeah. Like yeah. That's how like Superman should be a little bit old fashioned, right? Like he should be a little bit corny, but at the end of the day, you know, Superman ain't no joke. Yeah, especially being a Midwest boy raised yeah. by Midwest parents. He know? grew up in Kansas. Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. Damn, yeah, you're right. Especially like, like in a way, I think what they try to do with Man of Steel, as opposed like comparing it to Superman of was it 1978? Yeah. I think they want. Make it. They wanted to divert so much from the seventies, and they would. They just wanted to make a, a like a modern take on Superman, which was good, but it's not Superman. It's not his values and whatnot. You know, it's, well, it, was, it was already burned because of uh, what was it? Was uh, Superman Returns? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like. Has there been a good Superman movie since uh, since Superman Two? I mean, I, I personally like Superman Three because of Richard Pryor is funny, but I know like that's not a great movie. But like, has there been a has there been a good Superman movie since Superman Two? E. Um, <laughs> um no, I, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I, like I, I give your boy credit though. Uh, what's his name? Cavill. Like, I thought 
he was part of probably one of the best parts of Justice League because I think I like his Superman a whole lot more in Justice League than I did in uh, Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman. And his suit was more colorful. Was yeah, colorful. like he he yeah. felt more like Superman. Yeah, you know it was. Yeah, oh man, and that, that movie, movie was that movie was a was a mess because like ain't ain't nobody coming to see Steppenwolf. Yeah, like, you remember the, the Temptations movie? Where, like with uh, David Ruff is like ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Yep. <laughs> Somebody should have been out in, in front of the DC studios talking about, ain't nobody coming to see you, Steppenwolf. <laughs> oh, man. Leon as David Ruffin. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. No, if anything, even Batman versus Superman, how are you going to introduce Batman in the Superman movie? Like, Batman should have had his own freaking movie before him and Superman even met up. Yep. Like, I like, I like the whole concept of how. You know, then Metropolis and Gotham must be really close to each other for him to see all that. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's it should have been it should have been introduced in a Batman movie, like the whole Metropolis thing and him, you know, not meeting Superman yet, but knowing yeah. about Alien Landing, like that it, it could have been a so good of a build up, man. Like, you know, like now it's like Or at least it? like uh you could have planted the seeds in, in Man of Steel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And had like Batman, like you know, have show show play show like the world reacting to what's going on with Superman, and have Ben Affleck like something's going on, Alfred. Yeah, exactly. Or have him at least had one movie before you introduce him. Like you know, you just put it. All right, here's Batman. He's a, he's a seasoned yeah. veteran. You know, you see the Robin costume, so it's implied that either Robin's dead or he's missing or whatnot. And you know, I don't know, man. It's it's well, I, I guess they're trying to restructure it now with all these movies that are coming out. So new, a new Batman and what? Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, are are these movies even connected anymore, E? Because we got Wonder Woman, we got Shazam, we got Aquaman. You got a uh, Suicide Squad coming out. You got this this uh this Joker movie that's out right now. So are they are any of these movies connected, or are they just doing standalone stuff from now on? Well, I think Shazam is sort of connected because you see the the Henry Cavill costume and when Superman makes that cameo, but you don't see Henry Cavill because in case they change the actor. Yeah. And you know, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are connected because they were both in Justice League together. They had standalone movies, and the new Wonder Woman movie that's taking place is taking place in the eighties. So she has at that time she hasn't met the Justice League yet, but I think in their own way it's sort of connected. But and that seems that seems like a weird move too. Like I think Wonder Woman uh, 1982 will be a good movie, but it's like you you only had the one movie. Now we already doing like a prequel. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just you know it doesn't make sense. Does it? You know, I I don't know. Like there's people who are getting a higher salary for their logic and and trying to fix this, but <laughs> I like I like I just think they're trying to put more backstory because Wonder Woman. You know, Injustice League is different from Wonder Woman and Batman versus Superman and her own movie because yeah. in Batman versus Superman, she just came like she the like it's implied basically that she only fought in in the World War thing, lost Steve Trevor, and then she came back out of retirement in Batman versus Superman. But then they sort of like reversed the story, saying, "Well, she was always Wonder Woman and still fighting in the eighties." Mm. Like they're trying to like, you know you know, go back to saying that, you know, she always was Wonder Woman and it wasn't that one time where she just you know, fought in the World War and then come out of retirement in Batman versus Superman. So I think they're just trying to like, you know, go back and just tell like, you know, she she was still Wonder Woman back in the days, you know. So it's 
it's it's it's convoluted, man. It's just convoluted. Like, they, they got Wonder Woman out here like Lizzo. Like she got all sad because of Steve Trevor. She's like, yeah, I got more problems. That's the human in me. Bling, bling. Then I solve them. That's the goddess in me. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's, cra- it's crazy though because it's like you have and, and, and like I got friends online, like uh, on on Twitter in particular. When I say something good about Marvel or say something bad about DC, they're like, oh man, why you hating on DC? And the thing is, like, DC was the first comics that I read. Yeah. Like, John Stewart's Green Lantern was like my first character that I really follow. And so, like, yeah, I want, like, Justice League to me is still one of the best superhero shows ever, the cartoon. And so it's like, yeah, I want DC to, to succeed, but the people that they've had in place just ain't really been hitting. Like, it's only been recently with Shazam, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman. Like, those three have been good. Everything else has been just kind of average at best. And so, yeah, like, I want DC to succeed because it's it's better for everybody if Marvel and DC is doing good. Yeah. To go back to that, what I think you just hit the main, the, the, they don't have what made the cartoon Justice League so good is because you had a Batman cartoon first. Mm-hmm. Then, then, you know, I think we're going for like three seasons. Then you had a Superman cartoon. For one season. And then after that, you know, you had spinoffs with Static Shock, Zeta Project. But then after that, you had a Justice League cartoon movie, which basically focused on Batman. And he was, you know, it was, you know, it was still Justice League, but it was on Batman solving a crime. And then these other heroes just come in and then, you know, it just happened, you know, like osmosis. It was all coming together. So it was about it was about the relationship between the team. Yes, yes, yes. And it all came together, man. You, yeah, you make me want to watch that now. But yeah, like, if, if you don't care about the team, then why would you care about the movie? And that's like that's what Marvel did really good with the Avengers, is they took their time and set it up so you care about Tony Stark, you care about Thor and Black Widow and, and Hulk and all them. So when they do a movie together, you're like, okay, let's go. Whereas if they had started with the Avengers, yeah, it would have been cool to see all that on the screen, but there's no connection with, with, with the characters. Yeah. That's all right, and nobody would have really cared about that, you know. So, wow, I'm saying, and I know it's, it's, I'm saying it's great though because think about it. Like back in the '90s and '80s, we had, we had Steel, we had Howard the Duck, you know, we had all these weird movies that had no connections whatsoever, and then now everything is connected, and you have all these different comic book properties that are coming about. You have Watchmen, Watchmen, you had a Watchmen movie, you know, yeah. we had we had good movies now compared to back then where you know, we had a Captain America movie where, where Captain America had rubber ears. You had a Punisher movie with no skull. You know, you had a low-budget, not even a theatrically released Fantastic Four movie that was directed by Roger Corman. Like, there was a lot of bad movies. And, now, and it was still better than uh, that Fantastic Four with uh, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh, God. That's... Uh, that movie's so hard to watch, man. I tried to watch it, man. I couldn't finish it. Like, I didn't, like, even when... Going back to where you said you finished Iron Fist 2, I couldn't even finish Iron Fist 2, man. I, I was just so taken back by Iron Fist 1 that just yeah. powered me on Iron Fist 2. Yeah, like, the it. only good part about the Fantastic Four, uh, the, the reboot, was uh, Michael B. Jordan and then uh, Reggie Cathy, who was on season two of Luke Cage. Uh, that was that was it? That was the best parts? Those, the, those were the best parts. <laughs> Everything else, like... Like when you got your Walmart version, Doctor Doom. Like, nah, you ain't Doctor Doom. You you just an angry you just an angry boy in a scarf. 
<laughs> you don't like the way the thing looked? The, the, the concept of the thing? I ain't gonna lie, E. I'm not gonna lie. I think I I preferred the more cartoonish version thing from the uh, '90s fan. Was it the early 2000s Fantastic Four? Ah, uh, okay. With uh, Michael Chiklis, because yeah, yeah, it looked it looked kind of goofy, but it felt more like thing from the comics. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that movie is oh so bad, man. You know, it's so bad. <laughs> but um. What you call it with, like you know the, like that all the movies they have now. There's people that saying, "Oh, we have too much comic book movies." But back then we didn't have a lot of comic book movies. I think in 2021 we're gonna have four Marvel comic movies coming out in 2021. It's gonna be interesting because, like, I think 2020 is gonna be an interesting year for Marvel because they got movies coming out. But to me, you know, they don't have the heavy hitters, right? They don't have. Black Panther or Spider Man or uh, 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 you know another Avengers or another Guardians. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do in 2020 uh, with some of these lesser known properties. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, either way, they still going to get their money. <laughs> yeah, people. If they don't keep making it. People will still keep going to go see it. So that's that's not a, that's not even an issue. Um, to get off the topic of uh, Marvel movies and DC movies. Um, I, I was just, we were close to a little bit on time. I just want to ask your opinion on AEW. I know you're a big wrestling expert and wrestling expert who still watches wrestling. Um, what's your take on that? And you think, is it going to be good? Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Like, I think the fact that they got on TNT, like, that's a big deal that they were able to get such a, a high profile cable network. Uh, I think, you know, they've done a good job with their pay-per-view so far. Uh, you know, everybody wants to say this is a war between AEW and WWE. Like, no, it's not. Like, if if this were really a war, WWE would crush them in two seconds. But I, well, I so I don't think it's a war. But I think it's going to be a fun competition, right? I think it's going to be fun for the fans to get all worked up. I think it's going to be fun for the wrestlers, you know. And the best thing about it, E, is now you got an alternative. Like, if you're not really feeling WWE, you got something else you can watch. And, you know, they, they got a lot of good people in the company, guys and girls that are making, uh, able to make a living. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's good for the business, and I'm excited to see not only uh, AEW, but, uh, you know, see Fox, how they do uh, SmackDown, how they do on Fox or uh, Impact, how they do on a new network. So it's, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, that's true, yeah. And then, you know, NXT, there's so much wrestling out there now. It's not even funny, man. Yeah. So much, you know. Um, Nate, um, closing down with you, I want you to plug everything you got going on. I know there's a lot for you to plug, but um, just plug everything you got going on. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to do it the easy way. Okay. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. That way you can find out about all the shows, Kings of Sport, Rocky My Via Picture Show. Black Lightning Podcast, Chain Reaction, uh, Main Event, all the stuff that I do. And then check out the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. And that way, you know, you get access to all the extra bonus content. You know, we got video reviews of the, of the Kings of Sport. We got uh, MCU reviews that I've done on there. Uh, there's one up right now for uh, uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh you know, we got uh, a bunch of neat stuff. We got a political show called uh, The Twin Twin Twin. 
with myself and uh, Chris Ely, Chris from LA, who's a political science professor, and we're talking about the Democratic candidates for the presidential election. Uh, and so, yeah, we got a lot of stuff on the Patreon. So the best way to, get, to hear what I got to say is either follow me on Twitter or uh, check out the Patreon. Uh, actually, that's probably the best way is to follow me on, uh, check me out on Patreon. Because then that way you get blessed with all this extra content and I get blessed with all your extra dollars. <laughs> that's a fair trade e yeah i'm just thinking about it i think you're the only person i know that has like five plus podcasts man that's freaking amazing holy crap i think the like, like i think the only person with more shows than me uh and i'm, I'm being honest with this it's probably john pollock from post wrestling because he's all over the place with his shows uh <laughs> jennifer smith who i talked to this week i think she's got five shows maybe six shows uh, and then let's see I'm trying to think Like everybody else is pretty much like three shows max so yeah I think like I'm, I'm not saying I'm one of the best in the game E I'm just saying I'm one of the hardest working in the game and that, that's, that's, that's got to count for something <laughs> um, before I let you go two more questions your favorite quote and what would the native today tell the native yesterday I'll start with the uh with the second question first, I think the Nate of today would tell the Nate of yesterday. Probably the biggest thing is don't quit. Don't be discouraged. Because uh, I think it's easy. You know, everybody goes through it. If, if you're trying to get to something and for whatever reason it, it doesn't feel like it's in your grasp, you can settle for something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to throw shade on anybody that's just working a regular nine to five because I got a regular nine to five too. But if you're not still working, like when you're working at that job, if you're not still working to get to whatever your dream is, you cheating yourself in a way because you spending, you know, eight hours on the clock working for somebody else, making them money, but you're not putting time in to do something that makes you happy and do something that can make yourself some extra money. So I would, I would tell myself, you know, don't quit. Uh, I would say uh, therapy is a good thing because uh, that's something, you know, you know, particularly kind of growing up, Around the time we grew up, you know, both being people of color, mental health is not something that's talked about yeah. in our communities a lot. But it's like it's, it's it's especially for dudes, man. Like dudes don't talk about this type of stuff. And like I, first time I really went to therapy, like I went when I was a kid. You know, they they got to like the little counselors in school, whatever, whatever. But yeah. the first time I really went as an adult was like five years ago, and it's it's just good to be able to talk to somebody and get different perspectives and different viewpoints on your life to you know everybody needs like a tune-up every now and then like even if you got a good car you just can't keep driving it and driving it the same way and not get it you know change the oil right rotate the tires and so for me to me that's what therapy is you know it's you know you ain't got to go every week but you know maybe once every couple months you know just touch base with somebody and kind of get your mind right like okay cool i'm good uh and then in terms of a, a good quote uh, I mean, the the best quote obviously is uh from your man Pops on uh, Luke Cage. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, always, gonna... always forward, forward, always. <laughs> uh, but I I got another one though. Like uh, one of uh, my dad always told me, and it like it's it's yeah, it's one of these like old old guy proverbs, I guess you could say. Uh, but basically, it goes like this: E. 
Uh, the heights of great men reached and kept was not attained by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. And so what that means to me is, you know, you just got to put in the work, man. You just got to be willing to do, you know, stuff that nobody else is willing to do, right? Like, if if the, if the this man over here is making two shows, then I got to be willing to do three shows, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I don't want to get into the, like, there's I think there's a myth with the American dream that is never really talked about, E, where, you know, people are like, if you work hard, anything is possible. And it's like, yeah, it's possible, but is it probable? Like, maybe probably not, right? Because, you know, you know people from when you was growing up that worked real hard, but for whatever reason, wasn't able to, you know, to get to where they was trying to get to, right? Yeah. And so to me, I think, yeah, you got to have hard work. Like, that's uh, uh, that's non-negotiable. You got you to put the work in. But I also think the other two parts of, of being successful, uh, and it's not like, like I, I, I ain't Oprah nobody, but, you know, my little tiny level of success i think is you know hard work of course but also being perseverant right like because you're gonna take some you're gonna take some hits and so you know that old rocky cliche it's it's not about how hard you get hit it's about how hard you get hit and come back and get up and get hit again like okay rocky why you yelling dog (laughs) so it's, it's about perseverance but also you need luck man right you need luck and i think a part of luck is building good relationships with people right Mm-hmm. Like be somebody that be the kind of person that you'd want to hang out with, right? Like don't because I know so many people in broadcasting that are talented, but they assholes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and some some of them make it, but a lot of them don't make it, and it's because of their attitude. So for me, I'm always like, even if I get to a place where I'm I'm making a, a you know top dollar, like I'm working on a network, I'm still gonna be the same me, right? Because I I think the way you treat people goes a long way to the success that you have, right? Because I, I do believe in karma. I do believe in, you know, God and, and the universe and everything has a way of kind of paying paying you back, whether bad or good, for the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, don't be – like, like I mean, look at look at Hollywood, dog. Like, a lot of them dudes thought they was going to get away with touching them women and touching them young boys and still being able to be successful. But, you know, it took a while, but now they they they, they having to pay for their actions. So to me, it's like, yeah, just don't be an asshole to people. Don't be a jerk. You know, everybody, everybody's just out here trying to, you know, trying to make it, trying to live. So that'd be my my advice to me, man. Just, and anybody out there that's, you know, maybe thinking about podcasts or anything like that, like put the work in, be perseverant, and don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, is that if you follow those three things, I ain't saying you're gonna get rich, but you, you'll have fun doing what you're doing and you'll be successful. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I can't, I'm trying to be rich like Edo because everybody knows, like I said off the top, everybody knows Ephraim. You know, he's trying to play like he don't got no, no money here at the Atomic Podcast, but we know Ephraim getting that money on download from the Ukraine for being a whistleblower. So, I, I mean. I'm gonna need you to send me a little cash, cause uh, yeah, I know you got that Ukrainian money, dog. Being being the you know the top whistleblower in the game right now. Uh, I'm Puerto Rican. Donald will think I'm Mexican. So he <laughs> <probably> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who telling more who telling more on folks these days. Is it Takashi or is it E? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's sitting in the courtroom. Yes, Mr. Trump. He made that phone call. It was January 24th. He he, he was on the phone for 45 minutes with Vladimir Putin. Oh man, <laughs> man! Always, man. It's 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 cool. So cool. Every time we connect, man, we talk like there's no tomorrow, man. Nate, man, I thank you so much, dude. On that note, on that note, everybody, 
I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices for the old rattlesnake. Later. <laughs> that was great, Nate.